You know, I want to tell you, although I'm an Anglican, if you've not heard this story, I'm an Anglican priest in a mansion chapel, that religion will never, ever, ever in a million years save you. Because some people come to church, you know, they can go for a hundred years, but it doesn't do anything because religion will never, ever save you. Corey Ten Boom said, a mouse can live in a cookie jar, don't make him a cookie. Does it? Doesn't make him a cookie? It doesn't. So we need to make sure that Jesus is Lord of all. When you pray that prayer, even if it's the first time you've ever prayed it, if you prayed with your mouth and believe in your heart, check it out. Romans 10, 9 to 10. It's TNT. It's dynamite. You are saved. Anyway, you're saved. So we're going to look at a little bit of a text. I don't know about you. Has anyone ever been discouraged here? Anyone? <laughs> don't be shy me too I, it's good. you know what it comes to us all that's why I think the airplane gospel is so good we need to be aware that this is a it's, it's a dangerous world it's a dark world sometimes when you live for Jesus you are a brightness in that darkness and the darkness doesn't particularly like it and it won't particularly like you and the brighter you shine for Jesus guess what the more flack you're going to catch so I thought this might be an encouraging word and link with prison ministry as well. So I thought we could look at Matthew 11, 2 to 6. I thought we could call this banged up and broken hearted. So let's set the scene. Now, you know, a lot of people, we talk about Jesus and the disciples, but often we leave out John the Baptist. Have you ever noticed that? We don't really make a big deal of him. In France, they make a big deal. And in Quebec, in Canada, they have Jean-Baptiste Day. They really big him up. And let's find out why. Let's just check this out. So if you want to turn with your Bible, you can look up at the screen, uh, Matthew eleven two to 6. So I'll read this in my noisy Canadian accent. I hope you can understand my twang. It's all right. So it goes something like this. So when John heard in prison that what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Listen, I'm going to read that again. Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. What you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is a man who does not fall away on account of me. Amen. Are you getting it? You getting that? Yeah? So, just want to mention that John is banged up in Herod's prison. What, what happened? He challenged Herod. You see, when you're the light in the darkness, the darkness doesn't like it. Herod had some very interesting extramarital things going on, and John challenged him. And the thing is, he, uh, John ended up being banged up in prison. And I don't mean a nice prison like in the UK. Even the most horrible prisons in the UK uh, wouldn't be like Herod's dungeon. A dungeon is a different kettle of fish. It's dark, it's black, you could be you know, fed or not. You could get water or not. You're living every moment on the knife's edge. And so, you see, John, I reckon he didn't see his ministry ending up quite like this. So he was in kind of a bad way. And he started to doubt. It's funny, I was at an event yesterday, and there was a fellow who is a very high-ranking judge in Liverpool, and he's, he's going to be preaching on, on uh, uh, reasonable doubt. And his theme is that, you know, it's okay to doubt. Well, I, w- I would challenge that. I think it's all right. We can doubt. But really, our, our word and our hope is in Jesus. Always, always, always. Um, so I, I wanted to mention that prison is a place that can steal your dreams. It can steal your family. Often people who end up in prison, the families break up. 
Uh, it can steal your joy, your hope, your calling. Because even Christians in prison, it's not easy. Take it from me, prison chaplains, you come under fire all the time. It's, it, it can be a real challenging place and a challenging thing. I'm looking at my watch. It doesn't mean a thing. Um, <laughs> so prison can make even the most courageous, zealous, and faithful servant of Christ feel very low and drown in doubts and fears. And, and remember, let's look at John's pedigree. I'm not going to go all into the, the, the full spiel with this, but John, John, well, I'll go a little bit into it. Okay, John the Baptist, this is a guy who never got married, never had a girlfriend, never had a regular job. John the Baptist, his whole life from day one was in the Word, in the Word, in the Word. Some theologians believe that John studied with some very hardcore uh, people of faith and of the Word called the Essenes near Qumran. And his, he would have been morning, noon, and night in the Word. Now we know that because of the way John preached, because of the way he dressed. He wore camel's hair and a belt and ate locusts and wild honey and things like that. And the Essenes were very like stoic people. They were pretty hardcore uh, they were like the Christian version of, of the Spartans, you know, but the word was better than a sword or a spear, always is. So John is the very one who said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in John 1.34, this is the Son of God. So before even Peter got the words out, before even Thomas, remember doting Thomas, he said, let me put my fingers in your, your hands and my hand in your side, Lord. I believe. And Jesus appears and what happens? Thomas makes that proclamation of faith. My Lord and my God. Wonderful. Wonderful. But prison is not always a, a great place to be if we try to make it on our own. And it doesn't matter if you're working there or a resident there. Prison can be a dark place. And that's why we need more than ever the light of Christ. That's why we're so grateful for my wonderful brother in Christ, Arthur. I'd say Arthur's up here somewhere. I'm down here looking up at him. He's like a spiritual giant. And we love him. And we have so many wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ here who help us at Thorn Cross. We're so grateful for all that you do. Let's flick over to that next little thing here. <laughs> Feelings. I want to give you this little word. This is something I want to you remember. When you have a rough time. Like the airplane gospel, it's not if your plane crashes, it's when things get rough. Listen, feelings are not the seed of wisdom nor truth. The Word of God alone is. Don't lose your vision and don't forget your calling. This is so important. So important. I just want to tell you some things that have happened at Thorn Cross, because I'm going to try to link this in with a talk. Um, we had, a, since, since I was here at Lim Baptist, some amazing things have happened. Some tragic things, but God has turned them around. We had a young fellow called Carl Russell. Carl was just about to graduate Sycamore. He would have been the top achiever. Carl went, he had uh, given his life over the Lord. He changed his life. He was finishing a nine-year sentence. He had been involved in gangs, but he turned his back on that life. And he was, he was trying to live for God. Everything we did, he'd come and he'd show up and, and, and be a part of it. On the very day before Sycamore Week 6, he was at home. And a young boy, a young man, drove up on a bicycle, all blacked out with a balaclava, and shot him in the face and chest six times and killed him. Carl was killed instantly. Now, it's, it's a, a real tragedy, but God completely changed this. And now, as well as the managing chaplain, I'm, I'm something called the flow, the family liaison officer. So as soon as the police were finished dealing with the family, I got right into that, and I contacted the family, Marie and Kenny, Christopher, Becky, Wesley, Lakin, uh, and, and I invited him to come to a memorial service. 
Now, this is amazing. Normally, family of someone who's just been shot and killed, the last place they want to go is the prison where their son was, right? Not so. And what's amazing is that we had this incredible worship event. It was so wonderful. And at the end, uh, or halfway through, I preached the gospel as we always do. And I said, come on, you all stand up. Because when Jesus calls people, he doesn't call them in a back room. He calls them publicly. And I said, stick your hands up like I just did to you guys, right? That's all right, isn't it? God bless you. And do you know what? They prayed that prayer of salvation. They confessed with, and they all came to faith in Christ, other than Kenny, who was away, and Wesley, who was away. All the family came to faith in Christ. And what's incredible about that story is that that changed the whole family. Now, instead of being people who were broken and destroyed, like that piece of paper on the floor, that Becky and Marie now come as part of our Sycamore team. And they help others who are in prison come to know the restorative justice gospel. What an upside-down world. What an upside-down kingdom. And, and, uh, and, and it's such a blessing when they come. We, we bought a little trophy called the Carl Russell Memorial Trophy for the Top Achiever. And Marie comes and presents this to the young man or the older fellow who's, who's the best achiever. Isn't that a, a miracle? Only the kingdom of God can produce results like that. It's nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with a program or a plan. Although Sycamore, I've got to say, is one of the best platforms for not only restorative justice, but for getting people in prison to come up close and personal with the very person of Jesus. It's just the best. I love Sycamore. I, I could talk all day long about Sycamore, but I promise I'm not. I'm going to be a good boy. Or I'm going to try to be. <laughs> so, really, it, it's so important that we don't let our, our feelings, our emotions take over. Because if Marie and the family would have just, if they would have just done what they've always done, they would have been broken for the rest of their lives. Now, it's amazing. We did a 10-kilometer in-house uh, marathon with the staff and the residents, and we raised money to pay for the funeral. Then I always, uh, as always, I offered to help do the funeral, and they get the gospel. I never charge, but they get the gospel. Boy, you better believe they get the gospel. And God is so good. And then the next thing you know, Marie and the family buy this, you know, we planted a tree for Carl, and they bought this lovely little plaque. And that's just outside the chapel. And, and you know, it's amazing. This is how God takes tragedy, things that the world has done to, to sort of mess us up. And the Lord just totally turns it on, it on its head. So instead of family who've been broken by a horrific crime, being alone and being sad and being afraid and being an emotional train wreck, here they are coming to a prison for healing, to meet Jesus, to help heal others. Because one of the best things you can do when you're feeling broken is bless somebody. Just bless somebody. Don't let emotions rule you. I'm going to read that out again. Feelings are not the seed of wisdom nor truth. The Word of God alone is. Don't lose your vision. And don't forget your calling. Let's look at that. Matthew 11, verse 4. Jesus says this. Now, this is, very, this is in the present tense, right? So, Jesus is not saying, go and tell them what happened in the past. He's saying, go back to tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. This is incredible. This is just amazing stuff. This is really exciting stuff. That means Jesus would have done these things, even as, uh, I believe it was even as they were there. So these guys could see, well, this isn't hearsay. This is, I'm witnessing this, like the gospel writers. They're all witnesses. What's a witness? Anyone? What's a witness? If you go to court, what does a witness do? 
Yeah, testify. Hallelujah, bride. God bless you. So it's somebody who speaks the truth as to what they've seen. And in court, you better be sure you speak the truth or you get in big trouble. So that's what a witness is. So these guys are witnesses to what Jesus is doing. You see, Jesus is God with skin on. Jesus is the hope of the nations. Jesus is the living word of God that is the only hope for people in prison, whether that's behind bars or maybe in our lives on the street. I'll tell you, my friends, this morning, there's so many people in our own neighborhood that are lost and they're lost and they're in prison and they're, the bars are not bars of steel or metal or iron. They're bars of unbelief and bars of suffering and bars of being alone. But Jesus can break all of those bars. John eight thirty six. Jesus says, when the Son sets you free, hallelujah, you are free indeed. When the Son sets you free, you are really free. And that's what Jesus did. But I, I, I just want to point something out to you in this text that really vexed me for a while. Because... If you look at it, and look in the sequence, if you've got your Bible, why does Jesus share these words and then wait until John's disciples are leaving before bigging John up? This is interesting. Look at your word. If you've got your word here, do me a favor. you got a Bible. Just go like this, waving around a little bit. Right? Just like that. You know what you're doing? Whenever you do that, you make the devil really nervous. Yeah. When a Bible's well used, the devil's not amused. Okay, here we go. So... This is interesting. So John, John's disciples are leaving. Look at verse 7 for a second. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd. Is it fair enough to say that John's disciples didn't actually get to hear all the bigging up that Jesus is about to do? Would it be fair to say? Because they're leaving, and as they're leaving, Jesus just begins to big John up. Yeah? Are you with me? Let's continue on. What... And he says this. He began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Oh, he's being, he's just being funny with that. Because in the desert, that's all you've got are reeds. People don't go to the desert to see reeds. That's all you can see. A reed swaying by the wind. But also, that's a comment about John's character. He was not a reed swaying by the wind. That man was solid rock. His feet were built on the rock of the word of God. That's what he lived for his whole life. Remember, 30 years, all this guy did was in the Word, in the Word, in the Word. Never got married, never had a girlfriend, never had a job. His whole life was dedicated to getting in the Word. And when he released the Word, 30 years later, remember, his, his ministry was only about six months long. Didn't have a long ministry. But as soon as that time to minister came, it was like a cannon going. It was like a howitzer. And all of Judea and Samaria, all of the surrounding area knew that Jesus was coming. Yeshua HaMashiach was about to hit the scene. John had done his job. He knew. Remember, he's the one who said, behold the Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus is the Son of God. John had it. He knew it. His life was built on that principle. And yet, now he's in prison. We knew he was about to have his head cut off, and he's got these terrible doubts. Well, wouldn't you think that it would have been more helpful for John's disciples to hear all the nice stuff? I mean, we like to hear nice stuff, don't we? It's nice to hear, it's nice to hear nice stuff. But I'll tell you why Jesus didn't in a minute. <laughs> in a minute. I'm going to continue to read this. A man dressed in fine clothes. No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. 
I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Wow. I'm just going to pause there for a second. So Jesus himself, God with skin on, Son of God, says of John, whose disciples have already skedaddled and left the, you know, Elvis has left the building. They've gone. And Jesus says, among those born of women, there is none like John. Oh my goodness, wouldn't you want to hear those nice words? Arthur says such kind things, but the only goodness in me is Jesus, I promise you. All that I have that is good is Jesus. Please don't ever get that wrong. But but what's amazing is that John's disciples have already left, and Jesus says this incredible statement. Among those, What does that mean? Among those born of women, there's none greater than John. It means that John was greater than Elijah, greater than Elisha, greater than Moses, greater than King David, wiser than Solomon. He was greater than Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That John the Baptist was the greatest man of God that ever walked the face of the earth. And why didn't Jesus want John's disciples to hear it? And I'll tell you now. May we please flip to the next little, <laughs> the next little chart. I think I got another PowerPoint thing up there. I think it's got a, there we go. So Jesus bigs up. So we, we're just reading through that. I like the thumbs up. That's really cool. We can, uh, I, we just read that story. I was so excited about that. Let's ping forward to the next one. There's, ah, there's the word. Hallelujah. Before we do that, I want to tell you another story about prison. I'm trying to link this little passage about about what goes on in prison. Another little thing about how God turned away a tragedy into a major miracle. Uh, in 2017, there was an imam who was on his way to the mosque just after the Ariana Remember Ariana Grande bombing in Manchester? Manchester? And, uh, and it was a terrible, terrible thing. But uh, shortly thereafter, there was an imam going in to do prayers on a Friday, and this imam was followed into the mosque by a young fellow, a young boy, who stabbed him in the back of the neck to kill him. Miraculously, this guy wasn't killed. This, this guy wasn't just a mom. He was a, a, a surgeon. He, he was a, a very, very gifted surgeon. And when he was in hospital looking at the x-rays, he could see the blade had missed by that much. His wife said, Nasser, this is the grace of God. Nasser, this is the grace of God. This is the grace. And Nasser, all he could say, Nasser Curdy, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So when he went to court, this is amazing. Nasser sat next to the young fellow's mom who tried to kill him and said, listen, ma'am, I forgive your son. I completely forgive him. How can I help you? How can I bless? And this, you couldn't make this up. And Ian's mom, the young man who tried to kill him, says, Ian's mom says, have you ever heard of Sycamore? And he said, no, I've never heard, you know, I've never heard of this. So we Googled it. For some reason, my name came up. And uh, he gave me a call. And I said, great. He said, can we meet? And we met for two hours. Pete Hindley and I, very dear brother in Christ, met with him. But this guy, God is really doing something in his life. And he shared his testimony. And, and I told him about Sycamore. God is using Sycamore based on Luke 19, 1 to 10. Jesus transforming the life of this serial offender, Zacchaeus. Totally changing his life. And people who go on this course, when they take responsibility for the harm that they've done and say sorry to God and to the victims, God changes them somehow. Nasser said, I love this. Can I be a part of this? I said, great. We never had an imam on Sycamore before as a surrogate victim, but great. And when he came on week three, he gave a very powerful testimony. He spoke for about an hour, and the guys were absolutely riveted the end of their seat. And they knew... Uh, you know how I roll. I do whatever. Je- John 2, verse 5. Whatever Jesus tells you, do it. That's sort of how I roll. If you want to use that one, go for it. 
highly recommend it. And at the end, just said to the boys, boys, who's been blessed by Nasser today? I thought, Lord, either you're going to do a great miracle or I'm going to get fired. You know? <laughs> That's how I roll. So who's been blessed by Nasser? All the hands are, yeah. Who'd like to see God bless Nasser? Yeah, okay, come on up here. <laughs> when Jesus calls, he calls us publicly. I said, come on, we're going to lay hands on him and pray for him. Yeah, we did. We all gathered around. About 25 people, volunteers, the boys, lay hands on him, pray for him. And you know, I didn't get fired, and he got blessed. He said, you know what? I'd never thought people in prison would ever want to pray for me. So I felt God blessed me. Isn't that amazing? That's an imam getting blessing. Only God could orchestrate these things. Only God could do these things. God is so good. Well, this is interesting. There's a little bit of a backtrack we're going to do for a second, because the real clue to what Jesus was trying to do for John through his disciples, we find by backing up to this little text back in verse 4. Remember, can you see this on the screen or follow it in your word if you want to? Uh, it's actually, Matthew eleven four is very similar to what we look at Isaiah 35, 5 to 6a. In fact, it's identical other than Jesus tags on these two things at the end about the fact that the, the dead are being raised and the good news is being preached to the poor because that's exactly what Jesus was doing because that's what he is. He's the living word of God. So what did Jesus do? The reason he didn't give John's disciples sort of this emotional hug with all the bigging up is because when you're in prison, goosebumps won't help you. When you're in prison, getting a little hug isn't going to save your life. It's not going to help you. John knew that that man with the big sword or big axe was going to come and cut his head off. And John knew in that prison that he needed more than just feelings. He needed more than just emotions. And that's why Jesus brings us back time and time and time again to the Word. The Word. Jesus is the living Word. John 1, 1 to 10. In the beginning it was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's our wonderful Jesus. He is all that He says He is. Hallelujah. And so that's why I believe Jesus did that with John's disciples. He could have easily said, look, stay stay a little. Let me just big up your boss for a bit. Let me just do that. And there's no, guys, don't get me wrong. I love giving our guys a hug because if you want to change someone's life, give them a hug. Give them a blessing. Love them. Love on them. Love on them. Yeah, hit, hit you in the head with a brick. If you've still got teeth, bless them. Love them. Yeah. Let's just admit it. John did not need an emotional boost in the dungeon. He didn't need goosebumps or a feel-good moment. Most of us would rather have a hug than the Word. But Jesus knew that the Word alone would strengthen John when the axe man came for him. This is why Jesus gave John the Word. And the proof was Jesus was and is and is to come. The living Word, the fulfillment, the very living Word of God. That's just who we serve. That's just who he is. I'll tell you one more story. Am I okay for time, boss? I'll probably just give you two seconds. Too. Awesome. Okay, two, two minutes, two minutes. I'll be really good, two minutes. I promise. So on Friday, I did a funeral for one of our guys. We had a guy called Scott Horrocks. Scott was a sycamore talk. He had just won the Carl Russell Memorial. Scott was incredible. He was really, his life was on, on track to change. And then I came in for work one day and I got a call from the orderly officer. Please proceed to unit one. We've got a death in custody. And it was Scott, gone to be with the Lord. 
Now, we don't know how he died. Some people say maybe he was involved with this or that. I don't know. All I knew is his life was totally changed, but he was found dead in his pants. So we did another memorial service to bless the family. I got the prison to pay for the funeral because folk didn't have any money at all. And I said, listen, I never charge. My boys are like family for me. I never charge for funeral services. Never, ever, ever. Uh, in fact, what can I do to help? We did a memorial service. We prayed over them. We preached the word over them. And we did this funeral on Friday. And Nasser said, you know, I'd really love to come. Nasser Curdy. So it's absolutely pouring down with rain. And the whole back of this little chapel are gangsters. Has anyone seen a real-life gangster up close? Yeah, okay, yeah, that's right. Well, these guys were definitely in the back. And uh, you can tell this could get really interesting, really interesting, really fast, because sometimes bad things happen at funerals um, of this nature. But, you know, we just preached the Word of God, preached it right down the line, and Nasser came in late. And, boy, I preached the Word of God, and all I got was a, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. When I was praying, Nasser going, yes, Lord, he's, he's praying. This isn't, a, this isn't a mom, for heaven's sake. That's not supposed to happen. But God is so good. Hallelujah. I don't care. And, you know, we did that song by Chris Tom. You know, Amazing Grace? And I had that little CD on it, and nobody knew the words. And I was singing out with all of my heart for our Scott. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace. And by the graveside, we walked out. It was hammering down with rain. And we just prayed God's love and mercy and favor over on. There was my friend Nasser praying like this. He didn't walk away. He didn't say, no, I don't want this. When God calls you, please say yes. When God speaks to you, do what Samuel did. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. Send me, Lord. The Lord has such a future and a hope for all of us. He just longs to bless and to bless and to bless. Uh, we were going to have a little video clip that I'm going to pass up on that. Can I just pray a 10-second prayer for you and then we'll move on? I'm sorry I've gone a little over time. Father, we just pray this day that your blessing and favor would be upon your people. I pray you would help us to pray for those in prison. Help us to pray for Arthur and our wonderful Sycamore team and for those who are letter writers and angel tree helpers and all of those who are blessed and blessed and bless our people. And Lord, I pray for this wonderful children, Lim Baptist, which is a bright, shining beacon in this community. May your blessing and favor be here upon your people this day and forever. In Jesus' name.